0: Hello and welcome to the Arsenal way back again for another show but for just our second episode of the season of analysing Arsenal show in which we look tactically into the Arsenal match just past and it is quite a good one that we've got to sit down and talk about the North London derby Arsenal's 3-1 victory over Spurs in all its tactical glory to do so I'm joined by Josh Williams how you doing mate are you well I'm good, mate, yeah. It's
1: nice to be invited on, first time up here on the show, So, uh, and we've got a nice game to get into, haven't we, so...
0: Absolutely. Just to give the viewers a little bit of background on yourself, why don't you do the courtesy of introducing yourself to the listeners?
1: Yeah, so uh, the company we work for is Reach, and I am Reach's football scouting writer. Um, so I cover multiple different clubs in the Premier League, um, specifically in relation to tactical trends, tactical analysis... And statistics, you know, underlying numbers, XG, all that cool modern stuff. <laughs> uh, that's my that's my speciality. So, hopefully, I can apply that today.
0: Can never get enough XG in your life. That's that's for certain. <laughs> um, let's let's go into kind of some of the detailed stuff then about the game. We kick off with kind of how Arsenal played it and dominated the game tactically uh, and were really a superior side during the match we talk about the amount of shots that they had wasn't necessarily as many as as it was against Norwich they had up to I think it was 30 chances against Norwich only the 10 shots against Spurs Um, but a lot of the passing that happened during the game was quite lateral and Arsenal played across the field really well and with a lot of strength and power and there's some interesting comparisons to be made with some former uh, relations of Arteta with the way that he's played.
1: Yeah, well, I said to you, you know, it does remind me of Pep Guardiola. Uh, We know that Arteta kind of learned his trade, if you like, as Guardiola's assistant at Manchester City. I think Guardiola's been kind of maybe the leading force behind the whole, you know, enticing the opposition to one side of the pitch, switching to the opposite side and finishing the move on the opposite side. And I think he originally got the idea... I'm pretty sure, because I've read his book myself, I'm pretty sure it was while he was playing chess um, with the likes of Magnus Carlsen or, or somebody of that ilk. Um, and I've got the actual quote that, that Guardiola previously said. I'm sure he's, he's mentioned it more than this, but this is one quote I've picked up on from him. He said, move the opponent, not the ball. Invite the opponent to press. You have the ball on one side to finish on the other. And I think throughout our set of time at Arsenal, It seems to be a a deliberate ploy that he's tried to instill in this team. Not it has been a consistent presence, but maybe moving forward now that Arsenal have got a regular first eleven now it seems and players available and all that sort of stuff. Maybe we'll see it more often moving forward for Arsenal.
0: Hopefully we do, and I think that what we saw was this quick use of space uh, across the field. In particular, a couple of examples that we've got to show, we'll come back to that slide in a second, is is kind of how they start this attack in the the seventh minute of the game. On the right, Tommy Asu has the option, as we might have seen Arsenal do previously, say, last season when they were a lot more passive, just simply go back to Saka. He doesn't. He utilises the space, finds the ball into Partey, who himself... Utilises more space to the left, finds Martin Erdegar, who plays the ball out even further left to a Smith-Rowe before that leads to a cross coming from Tierney, who, you've guessed it, gets played into space for the opportunity. Um, but interestingly, about kind of Arsenal and the way that they attacked the game, we look at the two games in comparison, the opening day defeat against Brentford. There's a high concentration of attacks down the left-hand side, 20 in comparison to nine through the middle and 13 on the right. But again, Spurs, as we said at the start, whilst they didn't have as many clear chances and shots on goal, the spread of the attacks and kind of the efficiency of those attacks was quite balanced in the way that it was. Seven on the right, six on the left, five in the middle... Do you think that this is aided by, as we talked about, Tommy Asu's introduction and a strengthening of that right-hand side so it kind of falls in line with that Saka being moved over to the right as well? Odegaard's introduction at number 10 as well. Do you think this balance of attack is is going to cause a lot of problems for opposition teams?
1: Yeah, so far it does look very really well balanced. I think you've got a, a variety of different threats across the pitch there. Uh, obviously, we know how offensive Kieran Taney is. He's inclined to get forward from full-back, but to provide a bit of a penetrating run-type run, run thing. Um, he's, he's that type of player is quite quick, quite mobile, very direct. And I think you've got that on the opposite flank, but not not so much in the fullback area, in, in the attacking area with Saka. Saka's that kind of player, I suppose, in terms of how direct he is, quick enough to threaten him behind. But then in addition to that, and to compensate for that, you've got Odegaard and Smith-Rowe, who are both maybe a little bit more inclined to come towards the ball, a bit more inclined to take up central spaces, more withdrawn spaces, and then you've got a Bamiang in the middle who's a bit of an all-rounder and really capable of finishing moves. So, in terms of how how is constructing his attack, it does seem quite balanced from left to right and the centre, um, with a variety of different threats as well. That that seems having to deal with. And if you look at some some other sides in the league, particularly Manchester United, comes to mind. They are very one-sided. They are very left decided in terms of where they favor. You got Luke Shaw over there, Cristiano Ronaldo favors the left. Marcus Rashford, Paul Pogba, mm. Anthony Martial. So you've got lots of players. And if you look at the right side, you know is not really a threat on the ball. Mason Greenwood still in this trade, and Daniel James up until very recently again not too much in product attached to his game. So in terms of how to defend against a team like Man United. Teams can do it fairly easily. It's quite well, not fairly easily, but you know, it's, it's relatively easy to predict how they're going to mm. move. Whereas when it comes to Arsenal, as I said, it's quite a very threat
0: it's really impressive that, that that change has been able to to come forth in such a short space of time and it does go to show kind of edu's interview that he did a few weeks ago where he talked about that he didn't want to tar- he didn't put a, put a target on the season he wanted to wait and see what would happen when arteta had his full squad available and it does seem now with so many more of, of gabriel and white and Partey coming in tommy Acid being added erdogan being added that there is so much more of a threat uh, from arsenal across the pitch and not just concentrated on one flank um, going then through to kind of the defensive side of Arsenal's game, 59 jewels, 61% of those being one, uh, a really good amount of the six, uh, the 33 aerial jewels being one as well. One of the big things about Arsenal has been the, the worry that Ben White's height, might be a bit of a problem. Actually, it was his aerial duel that he once uh, won against Harry Kane that led to that first and opening goal of the match. 40 interceptions and, and 20 clearances. But it is this back four that seems to be being established at Arsenal Asu, White, Gabriel, and Tierney that's leading to a really strong foundation from Arsenal to build on from.
1: Yeah, but I think crucially against Spurs, it's, it seemed like they had the protection around um, from the From the start of the match, he was obviously a high press. Uh, initiated and it was it was the case up until Arsenal got the first goal really um, but once that kind of happened Arteta seemed a bit more inclined to, to retreat then and to form a bit more of a block where there's players ahead of the likes of of White and, and Gabriel um, and I think that's sensible management of, of the game state really um, you know I think there's an element of risk versus reward attached to, to pressing high up the field and if you've got a lead it makes a bit less sense to do it. And once you consider the strength of Spurs, maybe not particularly suited to breaking down a block, it made some sense for Arsenal to retreat into that block and counter-attack, really. And Arsenal's second two goals did stem from a uh, counter-attack at the moment. So I think although Arsenal do have better individuals on the defensive side, I don't think you can argue with that, Did you seemed to me to behave as more of a team more aligned more united from back to front um everybody proactive defensively and if 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 you're inclined to retreat into a block everyone was sitting into the same block together and it just helps helps when you can defend with 11 players and attack with 11 players and that seems to be you know the approach that set is building towards
0: and interestingly too you talk about how the defend As a team, and they push towards and they press towards as a team as well. When players are caught out of position, as Tomiyasu or Tierney can be, they're really good at kind of you know, covering those positions. A few examples here of seeing Tomiyasu get caught. Um, Human Son wins the ball back and attacks and Thomas Partey drops into that right-back role where Tomiyasu has has since vacated. Erdegaard drops into the right centre midfield position where Partey was. Xhaka still remains at left centre midfield and and that shape's maintained and they they push uh, Son into a position where he can only take a shot from a very tight angle with a very low chance of scoring. It does end up going for a corner of Ramsdale making a fairly comfortable save. It does work and they clearly understand their roles and if this can be done consistently moving forwards arsenal could end up solving one of their big long-standing issues which has always been defensive frailties and mistakes at the back and if they can find consistency it could be a real as I say foundation to build on going forwards. Uh, the jewels are really interesting because a lot of the jewels and the highest frequency of jewels come a lot from the attacking players on the team. Saka maxing out with 27 Abamyang there with 24 and Erdogan as we talked about earlier with the way that he pressed the back line is up there in those, uh, those top six as well with, with 15. Were you impressed with how high and how intense Arsenal's press was and is going forwards
1: too. I was on, you know, if you look at if you look at Spurs' attacking players, they are quite difficult to defend against. You know, when you're trying to pen these these teams in, if you're high pressing the team like Spurs, they've got such quality that they, they are hard to contain completely. You know, you, if you look at and Ndombélé, he's, he's got solutions and ways out just naturally because of his game. Hunming Son is a very difficult player to defend against. Uh, Harry Kane, obviously, top player. So when it comes to keeping these players penned into one, one area, it's not it's not the easiest. Um, but spe- Arsenal obviously achieved it fairly well, specifically in the early stages of the match, through, as I said, just a very united, high press, very aligned high press from, from back to front. Um, and obviously, you mentioned Aubameyang pressures there. Uh, he posted, according to Statsbomb, this is 20 pressures in the match. Um, and last season, for example, he only posted more than that in two Premier League matches. And both of them were games where Arsenal wouldn't have really had much of the ball away to Liverpool and away to Chelsea. So, again, it just captures how, how Arteta had everybody working towards the same goal from the full-back to the centre-back to the striker.
0: We'll move finally then on to uh, one of the key influences of the game, uh, Pierre-Erik of course, with a, a rather uh, great celebration, emulating that of Thierry Henry back in 2002. Uh, at the white heart lane, of course, but one goal, outperforming his XG of, of the three shots that he had, uh, 66.7% of them, two of those three hitting the target. Um, but as we talk about kind of the, the duels that he got involved with, 27, six of those being offensive duels, with a ninety-one percent passing accuracy, and and particularly looking at the few passes that he had, but he dropped quite deep during the game um, into certain positions. But do you think that's something that we'll see from him consistently at Arsenal, or is this a one-off?
1: I would be inclined to think it might go the other way. Actually, um, I do think he contributed against Spurs, uh, and a lot of that I think stemmed from how wide open Spurs left their midfield. So there was the opportunity really for those those progressive passes to find a, to find his feet. But I think against most opponents, I would expect them to be used almost how um, Brendan Rodgers has used Jamie Vardy. I think they have comparable skill sets. They're both ageing players, I think it's fair to say. They're both still really quick, uh, threatening behind and things like that. And they're both really clinical. So I think when Rodgers first took charge of Leicester, I think he actually came out and said in a, post match press conference, I think it was, that he'd actually instructed Vardy to stay away from the ball, um, which I thought was really interesting at the time. But if you look at the the makeup of Rogers' side, it made sense when you look at the, the players behind Vardy in the team, with those being Yuri Tillemans and James Madison. Both of those were playing as kind of, you know, free eights, if you like number eight slash number ten types And if Vardy's constantly staying away from the ball by running and behind, running and behind, always uh, playing on the shoulder of centre-backs, Vardy was just naturally creating space for the likes of Madison and Tillemans to to create in those 10 spaces. Um, And I think if you look at Arsenal, specifically against Spurs, when they started with an attacking bank of three behind Aubameyang of Smith-Rowe, Odegaard and Sakae, I think Smith-Rowe and Odegaard in particular are two players that are comparable to Maddison and Tillemans in terms of wanting to occupy those those withdrawn central spaces in number 10 areas. And if Aubameyang's constantly threatening them behind, constantly running them behind, he's going to help create space for those players. So although he did help with build-up against Spurs, I can just see further forward him being used as just the focal point of Arsenal's attack, doesn't really come deep so often, keeps stretching the play at all times and basically just finishes moves.
0: And as Arteta kind of defines what he wants from his best 11, which we still haven't seen because the 4-3-3 that he used against Burnley, we've heard that he wants to use more with the single number six and Onerdegar and, and smith kind of operating as two number eights in that middle midfield three. And, and with that, You'd imagine that when you've got kind of those two eights that become that can become, I suppose, two number tens if they push forwards, that central striker doesn't need to drop because he's got two players behind them plus the support of the two wide men. So we will see how his play uh, develops, but he did get involved with the play against Spurs and it worked very well, but it is, as Josh says there, it's not characteristic of him um, but something that maybe we can expect on a one-off occasion in a North London derby uh, Josh just to finish off today's show um, give us your final thoughts about how this game made you feel about Arsenal as a threat and where you could see them moving forwards from here
1: yeah well I think we we got shown an insight really as to what what to expect moving forward I think the early stages of the season obviously were very negative Um understandably so you know bad results and not so many players available to performers weren't very convincing and I think old weaknesses maybe were shown a little bit. But I think moving forward, Arsenal have a bit of a favourable fixture run now. They have most of their players available. I know Jacques has just suffered from an unfortunate knock, but I think most of their players now are going to be available moving forward. And I think generally we will see more of what Arteta's Arsenal are going to become. I think now he seems to have a bit of a clean slate, I think. Um, There's been an element of of cleansing the squad since he took charge. Plenty of players who are on big contracts who weren't really committed and some bad transfer moves and things. But he seems to be in a position now where the squad's young, hungry, willing to learn and crucially capable of executing the style of play that Arteta seems to be moving towards. So I think it's still early days and it'll be interesting to check the data faded into the season, say after about 15 games or so, to see if Arsenal are posting really interesting numbers in any specific department. But I think we've seen some early signs against Spurs as to what to expect moving forward. You're
0: on mute, mate. The classic <laughs> 2021 issues rearing their head once again. Um, as I say, like, it's Arsenal have won three games and and lost three games and it can show how unpredictable the Premier League can be, especially for Arsenal, a very unpredictable side. And we could be talking after Brighton, Crystal Palace uh, and of course finishing with Villa after those three games and, and looking at things very differently. Of course, Josh, I look forward to breaking down more games with you throughout the season and fingers crossed from an Arsenal perspective, they can remain positive but tell people where they can find you.
1: Yeah, so if you want to follow my work, um, best place is probably Twitter. So I am at distance covered. Uh, yeah, do send a follow
0: my way, and hopefully I'll um appear on the show again soon absolutely we will see hopefully some really positive breakdowns of Arsenal wins in the future if you have enjoyed today's show please of course as Josh said go give them a follow on Twitter at distance covered you can find ourselves at the Arsenal way M5 as well do drop a like on today's video and subscribe to the channel if you are new we have just gone over 2,000 subscribers which considering we only started this channel very very recently is a really great amount of growth that we've shown so continue to become part of our TAW family and uh, we will see See you tomorrow morning at 9:30 for the Arsenal agenda. Funn that's been an absolute pleasure to speak with you. Just keep following us down The Arsenal Way.